This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now, your host, Trey Harris. <laughs> And that was a live reaction as I watched this movie for the first time since 1985. But we're revisiting it here this week in our second movie for our Christmas trilogy here on 80s Revisited with me, of course, your host, Trey Harris, and the clause to my Santa and all my other legal documents, Jesse Sedgley. Yes, I am. And I have to apologize for the second week in a row because this movie might be worse than last week's. So if you watch this... For this specific, sorry, I'm already, I'm already just angry. Specifically for this podcast, I apologize again. But as I kind of cautioned at the end of last week, next week there is no way in hell unless some time between now and then I change timelines to a universe where Trading Places is not an amazing, fantastic movie. Because next week is Trading Places. Just keep telling that to yourself. Trading Places next week. Trading Places next week. We just got to get through this crap. And again, it's all my fault. It's all my fault. <laughs> I wanted to do actual Christmas movies because, I mean, we've done the big ones, Die Hard, Lethal Weapon. Yes, those are Christmas movies. I don't care if you think they're not. That's your opinion. I do, I do care because that's your opinion. I respect your opinion. It's such a stupid argument. They're Christmas movies. Done. I have spoken. But anyway, we're not here to talk about a good Christmas movie. We're here to talk about a Santa crap movie called Santa Claus the Movie or just Santa Claus released November 29th, 1985. IMDb, for some god-awful reason, gives this movie a 6.3. And over 2,000 people in this world we call Earth (laughs) gave it a 10, a fucking 10 for this movie. You know, anybody that posts that meme, oh, or or that's saying, oh, we're, we're living in the best timeline because of this. No, we're not. We're not living the best timeline because of those 2,324 people that think this movie's a 10. No. And in fact, speaking of alternate timelines, got something for you about this movie that actually would have been amazing. This is actually proof we're in the worst timeline because we have this version of the movie. <sighs> Sorry. It just sucks. If you love this movie, uh, uh, you know, we have to disagree. Like, this is... Uh, I don't think I've ever looked at my phone as much during a movie ever as I have during this. Because this movie is almost two hours long. It's one hour and 47 minutes. It's, ugh. Okay, sorry, sorry. Rotten Tomatoes, critics, yes, 20%. Audience, 66%. Hmm. It must be an audience of... Elves. I'm trying to, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yes. It's all, all the elves were watching this movie. Now, this movie had an estimated budget of $50 million. $50 million and 85 money. That's like 87, 97 million adjusted for inflation, almost double. It opened at number two with 5.6 million. But it could not sustain the amazing punches of Rocky Balboa as he beat the shit out of this movie in its opening weekend with Rocky Four, which opened at number one. And that was what you should have gone and seen. Now, 
I'll get to it after I get through all the fa- uh, facts, actually, I should say. Uh, Back to the Future was number five this week in its 22nd week. <laughs> Still kicking ass. Because, again, kids, back then, you know, v- VCRs were just now kind of getting into people's homes at an affordable price point, And things weren't coming out on video, you know, at, like they do now. We had to wait. And I know that's a word you don't understand, all my younger generations, but... You had to wait. Uh, domestically, this film will gro- go on to only make less than half its budget because it sucks. $23.7 million. Couldn't find any worldwide information. But apparently this movie is big in England. Uh, John Lithgow, who's the villain, and it said, like, uh, when he goes overseas to the UK, that's what people know him from is this movie. Wow. And he doesn't understand it because it's John Lithgow. So, but anyway, this was directed by Jeanon Swark. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. S-Z-W-A-R-C. We'll just say Swark. He did direct Jaws 2, which I like Jaws 2. He directed Supergirl, which is a bad movie, but my brother liked it. And because I watched it so many times because he watched it, I don't mind Supergirl. I mean, it's not good, but it's, you know, it's a good bad movie. And the Christopher Reeve, speaking of Superman, or Super Family, I should say, uh, starring Christopher Reeve and Jane Seymour as a time... Well, Christopher Reeve is a time traveler, I believe. Somewhere in time. So he's got some, you know, he's got some... A good, a decent resume, I'd say. Like I said, Jaws 2, I think, is a good sequel because that's the best That's the best we ever got out of the franchise. Uh, and Supergirl's offshoot, but, you know. He has a... It definitely has a... His films definitely have kind of a look to him. Uh, just in terms of his style. Not that I can identify a Jeanne Swark film out of a bunch of them, but you know, knowing that he did it, I can. It kind of fits that his motif, so to speak. I guess is what I'm trying to say. This was written by a husband and wife couple, David and Leslie Newman. Uh, David wrote Bonnie and Clyde, the you know the classic quote air quotes with uh, uh what's his name Dick Tracy, Warren Beatty, and okay. Faye Dunaway. And then uh, whoops, didn't have my phone on silent, but now it is. The movie wasn't uh, and then uh, <laughs> that's right. I don't give up. You can talk all you want during this movie, uh, but he, him, and his wife Leslie did write Superman one through three, so they are veterans of the podcast and cinematography. As I mentioned last week, Arthur Ibbotson, Willy Wonka, and last week's movie, Babes in Toyland. What's the lesson we've learned, kids? He's dead, so God rest his soul. But do not let Arthur Ibbotson be your cinematographer in a Christmas movie because it's going to suck. There you go. The dun, 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 dun. So starring, I'm giving top billing to John Lithgow because he's the only fun part about this movie because he's he chews scenery as much as the Sheriff of Nottingham does in Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. He's just over the top and just crazy, and he's great. Like I, I really do like John Lithgow. He's always been a really good actor. Uh, oh, what's he been in, Trey? Well, of course, he was the dad and Harry and the Hendersons, so he's a veteran of the podcast. But he, I think one of his best roles... And speaking of Stallone in Rocky Four earlier would be the Sylvester Stallone. I would call it a classic. And, you know, it's a wintry movie, so it's fun to watch around December, though not explicitly Christmas. Uh, but Cliffhanger, uh, he was the villain in that, and he was exceptionally villainous. Uh, I don't know if he's done a couple other villainous things in his life. I never watched Dexter, but I understand he's like a bad guy in that. Sorry if that's a spoiler, but I don't watch a show, and I know that through just pop culture. Uh, but John Lithgow is the best actor in this movie, in my opinion. And then Studdily, Studdily, Studdily Moore, excuse me, Dudley Moore as Patch. Uh, he was an Arthur in the original Bedazzled. And that's 
all I know him from. Yet he's, I'm not sure why he's so famous. I don't know if he was a comedian beforehand. I didn't go into his background or anything, but I knew he always kind of knew he, oh, Dudley Moore, he's that actor. Yeah. So he was just in stuff that a lot of people like that I didn't see. I don't know, but he's, he passed away a while back, but I mean, he's pretty famous. Speaking of pretty famous, the number two actor for me in this film, the late great Burgess Meredith as the ancient elf. And of course, Bur- Burgess Meredith as Rocky's trainer, Mick. A lot of Rocky connections in here. Uh, but I remember the first thing that comes to mind when I think of good old Burgess Meredith is the penguin from Batman, the original 1960s TV show. <laughs> I walked around with that scene chewing, you know, speaking again, scene chewing. In ba- of course, that whole show is seen chewing by all the actors, <laughs> but uh, the Penguin was definitely amazing. In fact, here's a fun fact about that show for 60s Revisited, a podcast that will never happen with me hosting, at least. Uh, he was he was so liked, Burgess Meredith was, was so liked by the producers of Batman that they always kept a script. If he was in town and free, he would just stop by and say, hey, I'm free. I got a couple of days. Oh, we got this script for the Penguin. That's why he's in so many episodes of the Batman live action t- uh, TV show from the 60s. So another more, you know, uh, but also in a ton of episodes of the Twilight Zone, too. But great actor, uh, unfortunately gone. I mean, he's, he's been around a long time, 187, something like that roles we talked about off the podcast. So uh, but then as the main character, David Huddleston as Santa. Now, if you're a Coen Brothers fan, you probably may have recognized him because he is the titular Big Lebowski. He was also mm-hmm. in Blazing Sam- Saddle, uh, Blazing Saddles. And Jesse, you might also remember him. Speaking of Christmas, he was Eugene Hamilton in the uh, always uh, the very sunny Christmas special. Uh, and yeah. I haven't watched it this year. And I, so I don't remember who that character was, but he was in it and he was named. So I'm going to wanna, I'm gonna have to watch it again. Yeah, he uh, was to uh, place that character. old partner. Um, ah, okay. That makes sense. Cause he was, yeah. Gotcha. And then rounding out the cast, have to give a shout out uh, to Jeffrey Kramer. He was Tozer, one of the elves. He was in Jaws 1 and 2. He's the uh, deputy uh, that finds uh, Chrissy Watkins' body in the beginning of Jaws and is in the boat. He does the exposition in Jaws 2 where it's like, or he's on the boat where the other guy's like, hey, it's a power line. You got to drop it, which explains us to us, the audience, what that is. But Chief Brody is not there in that scene. Yet at the end of the movie, he meta knows what that is because he was watching the movie with us. That's for Jaws 2 episode in 70s revisited. So, because we only did three and four, because those were the only 80s ones. Mm. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, I always like seeing him show up. And he was a motorist in Clue that gets clubbed with the, uh, I think it's the lead pipe by uh, Colonel Mustard. Lead pipe or the monkey wrench? I think it's a, it's a monkey wrench. Uh, I think they call it a monkey wrench. Whatever. Wrench. So yeah, <laughs> let's just call it the wrench. That covers all. That covers our basis, and that's the only cast I care to mention in this movie. A lot of people have their pictures on IMDb for this, mm-hmm. but again, uh, if you were in this movie, that's awesome. You're in a movie. You're in a big budget movie. That's great. But I'm not talking about you on this podcast because I uh, for this episode of this movie because this movie's garbage. So anyway, let's now. Now I can actually talk about it without having to worry about all the other technical aspects. So you got the who, what, when, where. When this movie came out as a kid. In 95, 85, excuse me, it was a big deal. It was a very big, it was like, oh, Santa Claus, the movie? They, uh, I remember McDonald's had uh, like, you know, themed Happy Meals like they always did back in the day, and they still do sometimes. Except when I click on the thing on DoorDash and say, I want a girl's toy from the movie Encanto, and they send me an Eternals toy from Marvel, which would be fine, except the Eternals suck, and I didn't know who the character was. 
and threw it away. My daughter was like, who's this? I'm like, sorry, sweetheart. It's not what I said because I apparently ran out of Disney toys. <laughs> anyway, sorry. There's your eighth tangent already. But anyway, so this when this movie came out, it was a big deal. It was at McDonald's. You had storybooks telling the movie. You know, it was by the producing team that did Superman the movie. So, you know, they had done three. I don't think four was out yet. So, you know, it was still like, oh, cool, Superman. And this movie definitely has that. The producer's name is Alexander Cyclin. I can't remember how to pronounce his name. It's uh, I do believe he's uh, so uh, I think he's foreign. So I'm not sure how you are the emphasis on the syllables go. Um, but you know, the credits have that kind of Superman feel, the flying effects have that Superman feel, uh, in terms of the, the budget and all that. And yeah, $50 million budget. I'll tell you where it went. It went to the, the fucking North pole set. I've never seen so much wood this side of Noah's Ark in one place. Now, for, now I saw this movie when it came out, uh, saw it in the theater. I'm pretty sure if I didn't see it in the theater, we rented it the night, the day it came out on home video. Cause I remember like really, uh, I have not watched this movie since I saw it either that first or either that first time in the theater or let me phrase that. I'm pretty sure the last time I saw it, I'm just trying to think back cause it's been way too fucking long. And this movie is not a good memory. Uh, probably on VHS around Christmas time, maybe in 86, maybe. And that was the last time I'd seen this movie until last night. So, I knew picking this movie that I didn't like it as a kid, but I thought, oh, I like Babes in Toyland as a kid, and that was shit. Maybe the opposite can happen. No. No. This movie is still just terrible. Now, for I guess for the $50 million in 85 money, I guess you can see it. I mean, the costumes are pretty lavish for what they are. The sets are huge, uh, at the, the North Pole was, at least, uh, until they get to the city, and it's obviously just you know, alley sets and rooftop sets and one office room set. You kind of see where the money is in it, and then you kind of don't. And they're not getting big names here. I mean, they got John Lithgow, but he's not exactly like, you know, a $10 million a picture actor in 85. You know, Burgess Meredith had like eight lines of dialogue, you know, and maybe a hat less than a minute of screen time. And I'm sure he didn't get the budget. So the cast, maybe Dudley Moore did. I don't know. Maybe it was so, such a big deal back then. He was a big git. But, you know, I don't know. And it's just, this movie's just, it's a mess. It's like, this movie is if you had a camera on the Christmas section of Walmart, uh, Walmart or Target, and you just let people just go in and just trash it. And it's all on the floor, and you know, all the decorations are all on the floor, and then you sweep that up, and you put it in a bucket, or you put it in a, a, garb- a dumpster, and then you just film that dumpster. Uh, I, I'm so flabbergasted, I'm not even making sense, but I think you get what I'm saying. (laughs) This movie is just a mess. It starts with Santa Claus origin, where uh, at that point, just Claus and his wife and two of his reindeer basically freeze to death. And then this alien ship that looks like a star beams down these aliens, which are elves. I swear to God, watching this, I'm like, this film... In the language of film, this is showing telling me that this dude is like the elves are aliens, and they're not even not that elves are human because they're elves. You know that's why they're not like Middle Earth elves or uh, Dungeons and Dragons elves or anything like that. They're they're Christmas elves. You know they have their own mythology because they're aliens according to this movie, and they give Santa eternal life like in Cocoon. So it's probably just the aliens from Cocoon, and they go to the North Pole instead of Florida. Anyway, and then so. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and we have reindeer, too, and they have this magic food that makes them fly. 
And it's just, it's, they try too hard to just do things. And I could see as a kid, the North Pole stuff being like, oh, this is funny. This is, oh, it's all Santa. So like, yeah, I can understand that. As an adult, it doesn't cut the mustard. It doesn't do anything. It's just like, oh my God, we're having like a montage of this, like for way too long in this movie. And it's just like, get on with it, get on with it. And then when it gets on with it, the story is just so stupid. Dudley Moore is like, oh, I'm not going to be your best elf because my innovative machine that takes away elf jobs and automates the purpose of the elves doesn't make the toys quite as good in hindsight. So I'm going to go, I'm going to pull a Will Ferrell before elf is even out and go to the big city. Not looking for my dad. I'm just looking for a fucking job to make toys. And then John Lithgow, the villain, who uh, there's there's this probably the best scene of the movie is where like he's they entered with the introduction of John Lithgow because he's like in a congressional hearing about how crappy his toys are, and like they light the doll on fire and it immediately just whoo, goes up. And then like oh, he rips this dude's like this is a toy for infants. And he takes a teddy bear and rips off the head like very easily and like dumps it out. And then sawdust and broken glass and nails come out of the stuffing of the teddy bear, which is a Saturday Night Live skit. I believe we talked about on this podcast in episodes a long time ago. I think maybe Great Outdoors when we're talking about Dan Aykroyd on SNL with like a bag of glass. Uh, Maybe we did. Maybe we didn't. If we didn't, YouTube that clip from SNL with Dan Aykroyd as a toy guy who has such toys as bag of glass. Yeah, I think we did. What I'm meaning. (laughs) I, that's what I'm saying. I, either I talked about it with my brother, how funny that skit was, or, we, or me and you talked about it. So yeah. I had so many conversations with three different people in the pandemic. But anyway, in case you didn't notice, I don't like this movie. I really don't have anything good to say about it except John Lithgow. And uh, oh, oh, let me get through the origin part. Just how how you know they have to I have to explain it. The first hour of the movie. 47 minutes of this movie is the story. The first hour is just like, oh, he's dead and they froze to death. The aliens come down, make him immortal, give him the power to expand time at night because they have to explain everything Santa can do, which I understand because kids are going to want to watch it. So they're like saying, oh, that's how he can make time. You know, that's how he can visit every kid because Santa's like, "Uh, how the hell am I supposed to do that? Like, the night will never end until your job's done. Well, you know what? That sounds like fucking hell because somebody did, you know, people have done the math. That if Santa was, you know, if it, uh, real Santa, when he delivers presents to deliver to every boy and girl in the world, would take like, I don't know, Google it, somebody, and you'll know what I'm saying. It takes an extraordinary amount of time. So this one night, it's like Groundhog Day, but one night. He can never end that night until he does this once a year. So it, that's kind of like a hell to me. <laughs> like, I got to keep doing, you know, it's fun for the first 10 houses, and you're like, how many more? Oh, I've got 40, not 40. Uh, let's say, let's see how many, there's 6 billion, 8 billion people in the world. I've got 4 billion more houses to do <laughs> in one night. So yeah, that one night for Santa, we're taught, again, like I said, somebody did the math a long time ago and was like, wow, yeah, you know, because they're, you know, probably Neil deGrasse Tyson having to disprove all everything that's fun in the world. Nevertheless, it's an, it's an interesting statistic. You can look it up. So Anyway, I, I don't want to talk about this movie anymore. Oh, oh wait, no, sorry. Let me get through the intro. I mean, uh, <laughs> the beginning. So then Burgess Meredith is the ancient elf. He Elf, he appears. And he basically goes up to Santa and he's like, I'm going to teach you to eat Blitzen and crap Donda. <laughs> well, Thank you for the three people that laughed at that joke. Thank you. Because get it? It's Mick from Rocky talking to Santa and Donda and Blitzen is German for lightning thunder. Okay. I know some of you got that, and I appreciate it. Thank you. Everybody else that groaned, 
Go fuck yourself. This movie sucks. Okay, done talking about the movie. Jesse, you mercifully told me off camera that you didn't watch it, but you did watch a couple of clips. And I'd love to know on your completely non-biased view about listening to me rant about it for 10 minutes and what you saw. What do you think about Santa Crap the movie? It's the best Santa Claus movie I've seen from 1985 starring these people. <laughs> The end. Yes, it exists. Ugh. You know, this is like, like top ten worst Christmas movies, and not no, not counting Hallmark movies because I was like, I don't watch that. You know, remember my mom's last week, just visiting. Like she had a Hallmark movie on a channel on all day, and just like these movies, this is so bad. Oh yeah. They so turn every out every single now. one. What's that? They turn out real garbage now. I mean, it's like the, you know, I'm, I'm facetiously saying it's like the MCU. It's like, here's the formula. It's a, it's a Mad Lib. Is what it is. It's literally a Mad Lib. Mm-hmm. You know, male name. You know, it's two different pages. One starts with a male name who's the main character, and the other one starts with a lady name who's the main character. You know, m- female character uh, loses her relationship with blank, decides to go be a blank in blank, city or slash state slash place meets blank who is a blank and has a blank child who needs someone who knows how to blank the true spirit of Christmas. That's every Hallmark movie, every single one, you know, flip the cap on its head and have one be a fucking horror movie, man. You know, rip off a Friday the 13th, like Christmas camp. It starts off great. And then the kids start getting killed. Copyright Asia visited 20, 21. Oh, speaking of like our copyrights, Jesse, remember how we were talking about Nicolas Cage, which we, we, is a lot, but uh, yeah. we talked about one time about how we want to make a movie where Nicolas Cage is literally playing Nicolas Cage. Yeah, that's that what's happening now. <laughs> yeah. Somebody stole our idea. Legit. We got to send that podcast movie, and be like, all right, got to send us producers. <laughs> yeah, so, hey, uh, I said it aloud, copyright whatever year, and I see your copyright is 2022. I think you owe me some money. Me and Je- excuse me, me and Jesse some money. Everything's 50-50 around here. Yeah. Until you know, we get really big and famous and then I guess you know, <laughs> I would turn to drugs and alcohol. Right. No, it's not you, Trey. You understand. <laughs> anyway, that's a movie, you know, based on a true well, some of those based on a true story movies in 10 20 years. Then like we come back together for like a Christmas special and it's like the old magic's still there and everything's right as rain mm-hmm. and then you know, it fades to black and then like Trey died of liver cancer four days later. Jesse went on to a very successful producing career with Jerry Seinfeld and whoever else. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, rambling, 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 because this movie sucks. Trivia. Okay. Let me just take, let me compose myself. There it is. Massive Talent starring Nick Cage, or excuse me, the unbe- unbearable weight of Massive Talent. <laughs> go, go down to a writer. Let's see. Kevin Etten, Tom Gormican, I know you listen to this fucking podcast. <laughs> I'm coming for you. Anyway, trivia. Santa Claus the movie. Imagine a movie, like they knew, a Santa Claus movie with Nick Cage. He's been, you know, he's an Elvis impersonator. It's like, ho, ho, ho. What's going on? You know, the elves are kidnapped or so the elves revolt because he won't pay them right. And they like kick Santa out and he's got to like fight his way back, you know, to be with the elves or like to prove to the elves he's a good guy. You lost your way, Santa. No, no, it's all right. Nicholas Cage. There you go. There's another Dude, copyright agent in 2022, 21. Oh, yeah. I just copyrighted. You can't steal it again. 
I have witnesses. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, Santa Claus is a stupid fucking movie. Uh, trivia: Real deer were trained to pull the sleigh, and when you watch that scene, knowing that, not that I'm saying that you should watch this movie, but you can tell the deer are like they look panicked. <laughs> They're like, like they don't want you know, obviously don't want to do it. Uh, it required months for them to complete the training, uh, which also allowed the deer to grow their antlers for the final filming. Which means the deer's, I'm sorry. Well, I'm not sure when when they filmed it. They could have been male deers because around December, only female reindeer have their antlers. So all the reindeer are female. Uh, but of course, we're talking about magic aliens. So maybe they maybe they are. Maybe they're not. We don't know for sure because this movie fucks up the mythology so bad. And also Santa in a, you know, almost crashes his sleigh into the World Trade Center. So there's that. So maybe it's not the best movie to watch, you know, anyway. John Lithgow, who is second build and the main bad guy, does not appear until more than an hour until this hour and 47 minute travesty of cinema. Wow. Uh, the role of the ancient elf was written for James Cagney in mind. However, uh, he liked Cagney liked the film's idea, which, yeah, we're going to tell a Santa Claus origin story. OK, give it to John Favreau. Not these motherfuckers. <laughs> anyway, but uh, he was really old at the time and he was kind of weak due to his age and he did not take the role, but it could be like, ah, oh, Santa, you dirty rat. That's James Cadding for you, use young, use young use kids, <laughs> young books. You, you. Uh, the role of BZ, which is the villain, uh, AKA John Lithgow was actually offered to Harrison Ford, Burt Reynolds, Dustin Hoffman, and Johnny Carson, all of whom wisely turned it down because as bad as this movie is, like I, Lithgow knew what he was in. You can tell that he, he, he's aware that this is ridiculous. And it goes into his character. So I got to give him praise for that. Uh, and like I said, the only good part of this movie is John Lithgow. Uh, when Patch is viewing the BZ Toys display in the New York window, a van painted exactly like the one on the A-Team is parked on the street behind him. And this is not like a blink and you miss it thing. Like you can literally see the A-Team van like right there. So I'm not sure if some somebody in the 80s, which a lot of people did, had a van painted to look like it. But it's right there, plain as day to see. And if you don't know who the A-Team is, Google it. It's what made Mr. T famous, at least to me, was the A-Team. And then Mr. T Serial and his cartoon. He was on WrestleMania 3 and all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was 3. Uh, no, 3 was when uh, Hulk sl slammed Andre. Maybe it was WrestleMania 1 even with Mr. T. I don't remember. It's one of the early ones when he feuded with uh, Hot Rod, Roddy Piper. Uh, let's see. The movie, like I mentioned before, it had promotional ties with McDonald's, Coca-Cola, and Pap's Blue Ribbon. Yeah, by the way, the main <laughs> villain of this movie, who's supposed to be stupid rich, he doesn't drink Dom Perignon or an expensive cognac out of a globe thing. He drinks Pap's Blue Ribbon in a brandy sniffer. That's how rich this guy is. So he's country rich. Uh, no, just a record from the country because I, too, am from the country, so to speak. Uh, let's see. All the toys made. This is the this is this movie. If there was one good reason for this movie to exist, it's this. All the toys that were made and bought for the Santa's workshop scenes, which is a ton of them based on what you see, were all donated to children's charities for Christmas after shooting was complete. So good job. That's 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 fantastic. Thank you. With that $50 million, instead of making this movie, you could have given presents to every child in the children's hospitals in the world. You could have given them fucking Nintendos. But no. You made this, and you lost $27 million. So that's what you get for just not being nice. You decide to be a Grinch dressed like Santa Claus, 
with a Santa Claus origin story that's garbage. Jeez, this is, this is, I feel good, though. I feel good getting this out. <laughs> uh, Paul McCartney was originally going to write and perform the theme song, but his record label declined because they had intelligence and said, you don't want to be associated with this. You're a Beatle, for Christ's sake. <laughs> now, I mentioned earlier that we're living in the worst timeline because this version of the movie exists. Originally, just think about this. The first choice to direct this movie was John Carpenter. John Carpenter's Santa Claus. However, the producers didn't like it because, as Carpenter always does, he wants Final Cut, and he wanted to do the score. We could have had a John Carpenter Christmas score. How awesome would that be? In fact, everybody, the all 14 listeners, especially all two in Qatar, go out there and tweet at John Carpenter Please just do like a song that you would want to do for your vision of Santa Claus the movie so we can have a John Carpenter Christmas song. That would be amazing. Uh, and he, who did he want to play Santa? Brian Dennehy. Rest in peace. Veteran of the podcast from uh, Cocoon. So that would have been kind of a gruff Santa. Brian Dennehy's a great actor, a good character actor. But I could, I could definitely see him being Santa Claus. So, uh, you know, that's why because that move version of this movie didn't happen and we're stuck with this shit version – that's why we're living in the worst timeline, for sure. So score-wise, I give this movie a three. Uh, it's bad, 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 bad. There's, there's. That's I will never. Movie though. Yeah, uh, I think wins? that. Which ones? As in, which one? To where better? I watch it again? Which one gets Beijing Toyland? Okay, <laughs> Beijing Toyland gets a three point one. I will never watch this movie again. Ever there, I, I, it's the reason I'd never watched it since it came out, like I was getting at before. Because when I was a kid, I realized this was garbage. I was hoping I was wrong that, oh, maybe I just didn't like it as a kid. Maybe it's actually aged pretty well. Maybe it's a fun movie. A lot of people seem to think that based on IMDb, they're wrong because this movie's garbage. But anyway, so yeah, three, I would, based on Toyland. I think I'd rather watch Babes. If I, if I had somebody said, okay, Trey, gun to your head ch -ch -ch, right now, you have to watch Santa Claus, the movie again, or the like two, uh, 240 minute cut of Babes in Toyland. I honestly think I'd say, you know what? I'd watch a 240 minute cut of Babes in Toyland because at least that's something I have, haven't seen. And at least it's got Keanu Reeves in it because I, I paid attention for that movie when I was watching at least the 97, 93 minute cut that we talked about last week. Right. You know, this movie, it was just like, God, this is it, this was the, the hardest movie I think I've ever watched. Except, oh, maybe Garbage Pail Kids. Uh, it's down there with that. Like Babes in Toyland is so much better in hindsight after watching this movie, and I was totally wrong about that. By the way, the movie's got a kick-ass poster. Santa Claus movie. Go look at the IMDb posters. The, the, the promotion for this film was great. The product was shit. Speaking of so Superman-looking cover, that's uh, uh, I guarantee you that's the same dude that painted the Superman the movie poster. Look at the blurred uh, action lines and everything. Also, the reindeer are wearing Santa Claus costumes, <laughs> which is weird. <laughs> so, yeah, anyway, don't watch this movie. Uh, I'm Like, seriously, like, there is – don't. Do not waste your time with this film. If you saw it as a kid and unless you like, you like it, which, again, some people out there do like it. All kidding aside, that's great. I'm happy you like it. I think it's garbage. Never, ever again. Uh, in fact, I'm 
scrapping it from the collection, so to speak. Mm-hmm. It's this movie does not exist. There's a reason I never watched it again, and it was a hard lesson for me to learn. <sighs> okay, we're done. Thank, thank you, Jesus. Happy birthday, Jesus. We're done with this shit movie. Wow, I don't think we've had two horrible movies in a row on this podcast ever. So mm. that's not a quality thing, everybody. It's just a, a momentary lapse in judgment on me because I wanted to do actual Christmas movies, and we've done all the good ones from the 80s for the most part uh, that are explicitly Christmas. There's still a couple, you know, we can do, I still don't know that we can do, like Christmas Evil and some other stuff uh, in the horror movies because that's what's left for the most part Christmas-wise uh, in the 80s. Uh, so, so yeah, we got two at least two out of the way. Yep, let us know. 80svisited at gmail.com. Thank you, Jesse, for Fun always reminding year. me that we in fact, <laughs> have an email address. Next so, year's Christmas movies. Yep, and it will be uh, happy and brighter than this year. Although, tree, again, our tree looks like uh, our tree looks like it was burned. It looks like the tree in, in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation at the end where uh, the guy... Burned the tree. It was an ugly tree anyway. Uncle Lewis, I think. My tree. What happened? What you do to my tree? Mm-hmm. It lo- our, our, the, our Christmas trilogy looks like that, except when you look up, that is the most magnificent star you've ever seen on any tree because it's trading places. And we all know, you should know because you should have seen that movie already, that it's, it's fucking great. <laughs> so it will redeem us for the Christmas season. Uh, Christ the Redeemer is trading places the Redeemer, you know, Behold, the city of David, a film, Trading Places. And me and Jesse, the two wise men, will bring our gifts to honor it next week on the podcast. But anyway, yeah, anyway, no more talk of Santa Claus the movie, except in hindsight when we talk about how when we compare other bad movies to it. But in the real world, again, this released in the U.S. November 29th, 1985, three days before current U.S. president at the time, Ronald Reagan, sold the rights to his autobiography to Random House, for at the time, at the time, a record three million dollars. Yeah, politicians don't get a lot of money, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're like the common man, right? Yeah, president only gets paid six figures a year, right? Yeah, nah, they're all fucking multimillionaires. Mm-hmm. Not common people. Fuck those guys. Every damn one of them. Anyway, sorry, tangent. Coming back, and also around that same time, a day later. Born on the same day, two two celebrities that I don't give a shit about. Uh, Kaylee Kuko, I think that's how you pronounce her name, but she was in Big Bang Theory, one of the worst sitcoms of all time, which I absolutely despise and hate. If you like it, hey, good for you. Not my cup of tea. Go watch Always Sunny. That's still running. Uh, longer than Big Bang Theory. Longer than uh, and quality every season. Uh, and then also born November 30th, 1985. Disgraced influencer, which I love saying that. Chrissy Teigen. Don't bully people, everybody. Be nice to everybody. But don't share those texts where I bullied some girl and told her to kill herself. Oh, no. I'm not cool anymore. Couldn't have happened to a better person. So <laughs> uh, bottom line is, you know, and oh, no, actually, I'm not even going to defend that because she was a, a, a she was full of age when she did that. You know, when I was in grade school, you know, well, in, you know, grade school, the shit you do in grade school and high school doesn't to me, in my opinion, it doesn't define who you are as an adult, you know, in hindsight. But when you're an adult and you're doing that shit, there's no excuse, you know. You didn't grow up. Oh, now you grow. You grew up because you got caught. That's what you did, Chrissy. You grew up because you got caught. Okay. You know your husband's great. He's a he's an egot winner. Hell yeah! But you take your target crap and shove it up your ass. <laughs> Goodbye. 
there you go. Into that. Okay, Back to the Future. I didn't watch anything this week. Uh, new, at least. I did catch up on Sunny. The episodes of Sunny. It's which is great, and the uh, I did watch the second part of the uh, South Car uh, South Card South Park post COVID COVID returns, whatever it was. Yeah. So that was great. Yeah, Not, but uh, there was so much going on, so to speak. It it felt a little jumbled to me. It was still great. The whole Cartman thing and the end of it was great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But it seemed like they kind of they saved the drama for that one as opposed to the first one. But uh, nevertheless, really enjoyed it. And then uh, I, I just got, because it went on sale and it was recommended by a friend of ours, haven't started yet, but the Guardians of the Galaxy game. Uh, oh, okay. it's gotten, I did some uh, research on it after a friend of ours said, oh, you, you know, if you like the movies, which I do, I think they're two of the best ones in the MCU, sue me. Uh, uh, but how the, it's, if you like the movies, you'll love the game. The combat's better. It's a lot more like Dragon Age 1 mm. to where like, you're kind of like the leader and you're directing your party. In combat, so it's it's uh it's not the Avengers game, which came out l- year before last or last year, which is basically like Destiny. Which I like the Avengers game. It's it didn't live up to its hype mainly because nobody bought it, so they didn't you know we're probably not gonna see any more characters added because they wanted to add like a ton of more characters. Excuse me, and make it more fun. You know, a true Avengers experience, which it could have. They didn't get that far because people just didn't like the game, but it was a it was a fine game. But, you know, that always online thing really kind of killed it. Mm-hmm. But speaking of comics, uh, there's a great series. If you're a comic book reader or, like, you just kind of read it when there's some big stuff going on, uh, there's a new s- limited series called Devil's Reign, uh, which is, like, Daredevil, Spidey, Moon Knight, kind of the street-level heroes. And I read the first issue. Just it literally just started. But if you're a comic book fan you haven't read that, it's pretty it's pretty awesome. It's it's got a little. It's kind of, it's a little similar to Civil War that kind of setup, but the, just got to read the first issue. It's just like the first issue is like damn, like getting pumped for it. Like it, it seems much more realistic, in which is I mean it's a comic book, so bear with me. Where Civil War was just like, hey, we're just automatically banning superheroes right now. Superhero Registration Act right now. Well, they had a tragedy that did it, but that's right. not. But it was just it was so quick. Like this, the way they're doing it in Devil's Reign. Seems a little more organic, so to speak. To where it sort of fits the MC, the Marvel comic universe, well. To where it, it's just, it's really good. If you like comics, I highly suggest checking out the uh, Devil's Reign series. Only one issue in. It could go to shit. Hopefully, it doesn't. First issue, I'm like, that's the first comic I read in a long time. Where I was like, God, I gotta wait a month for issue two. <laughs> so definitely check that out. That's all I've done since last episode. But Jesse. Anything new on your end? Or wait, no, there was something you didn't watch last week that I did that we were going to talk about this week. I don't remember what it was though. Ooh, ooh, I don't know what it was. I caught up on uh, Hawkeye. That's about it. There was. I think like it was something we talked about. Oh well, we'll think about it. You know. Yeah, we'll save it for the <laughs> a few time. months down the road. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of us have an epiphany and like, oh yeah, yeah. I think uh, the, and, I haven't uh, been to the movie theater or anything. So, well, I'm going tomorrow. To see Spider Man because I've I wanted to just I mean, Christmas stuff and family coming in it was really hard. Uh, I was like, oh, I'll go Tuesday. Oh, no, got a podcast, got a podcast uh, Tuesday night. Oh, they want to play D and D Tuesday night. <laughs> Guess who's going tomorrow? So go. see Spider Man tomorrow. Haven't seen any spoilers. Knock on wood. I don't want to immediately get off the podcast and then I get a random text message from a friend that spoils it for some reason. I don't know. So mm-hmm. almost there. Although, the, of course, the biggest spoiler for the movie is all everybody. They're, they're, Everyone the biggest spoilers that everybody yeah. knows. Yeah. You know, it's not even a secret. 
Everyone figured that I one will out say, together. Yeah, pretty much. As much as they tried to hide it. Although, I will not say it, just in case. Mm-hmm. But uh, I will say this. Remember when, you know, some people might, when Star Wars Episode One came out, mm-hmm. the hype, you know, the toys, the trailer, you know, crashed the internet. People went to see uh, Meet Joe Black. You know, it skyrocketed ticket sales for Meet, Go- Meet Joe Black because people just went to buy a ticket to see the Star Wars Episode One trailer and then leave. Good on them. Uh, you know, so it, it was super hype. Well, the soundtrack came out before the movie, and the soundtrack of Star Wars Episode One by the legendary, arguably greatest composer of all time, John Williams, one of the titles of the song, of the score, is Qui-Gon's Funeral. And nobody has seen the movie yet. Uh. <laughs> and I, you know, I'm a soundtrack dork. I love movie soundtracks. Uh, so I got it when it came out. I'm like, yeah, awesome. I bring the back. I'm like, what the? I'm like, literally like, <gasps> and my friend's like, what? I'm like, I can't, I, I'm like, I literally like, I cannot tell you. I'm like, they, there's a huge spoiler. Like I had to clarify it. Like, just leave me alone. Like I'm so, I was so pissed off. So I went into episode one. A lot of people did like, well, Qui-Gon's dead. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, up oh, here it comes. Ah, there it is. Yay. Totally not. Sh-. You know, the whole audience is like, <gasps> and I'm just like, <laughs> But on the No Way Home soundtrack, they did, it they again? did the same uh, thing. I was like, oh, the No Way Home soundtrack, so download, you know, bye. What? What? Oh, like, what the fuck? <laughs> now, one of the tracks does confirm the the spoiler that everybody knows as well. So I'm just, you know, I'm just scanning down. Like, and then it's like, so-and-so dies. Wow. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> now, I'm hoping... Because it's the multiverse that they're dealing with. Maybe that's just, you know, not necessarily a real title, you know, or, or not an actual thing. But now I'm going into the movie like, I'm just waiting for this to happen. Oh, there it is. Oh, wait, hopefully, you know, fingers crossed. Aha, it was the multiverse, not real or different reality, blah, blah, blah. Mm. But it was near the end of the track listing. So you know what that means. Mm-hmm. It's probably the moment where Peters, wink, wink, decide that, oh, we got to fight the Sinister Six now. Or Sinister Five in the trailer, so there's a lot of spec. You know, having stayed away from spoilers, there's a lot of speculation who like, the sixth member will be. Uh, but we'll see. Well, I'll, most people have seen already because it's the I highest grossing movie of the year already. <laughs> been out for like two days, uh, and I will see tomorrow. Yeah, knock on wood. So <sighs> that's it. That's it for me. But yeah, Hawkeye's pretty great. Uh, although. I didn't know this until a few days ago. This week, uh, the episode that comes out tomorrow on the 22nd is the last episode. It's only six episodes as opposed to, I think, nine or ten that the uh, the other shows had. So I don't see how they're going to wrap anything up. So I don't know if they're going to do another season next Christmas or uh, what, because it's, yeah. very, it's very Christmas-themed. So I don't want to see the second half of this where he gets home for Christmas, if he gets home for Christmas, you know, in June, you know. Right. You need to, you know, you know, I'm hoping they wrap it up, you know, let's wrap it up and go from there. But uh, I mean, they got a lot, you know, they just introduced, if you saw last episode, right. so-and-so. So either that's just going to be a shadow threat that doesn't really bear on this season. Maybe it's next season after Christmas. We'll see, but I like the show. I think Haley Stanfield is great as Kate Bishop. I think she's a, a, a great addition to the, you know, the young Avengers quote unquote uh, and of course, uh, Florence Pugh, ever since Midsommar, I've been in love with her and she's fantastic as Yelena. She should have been Black Widow. Like, 
no shade to ScarJo. Like she, she I never. I've, Black Widow's always been one of my favorite Avengers and just favorite characters. Uh, you know, she's a femme fatale spy and she's a, you know, she's kind of done it all. She's kind of a little brute, you know, she's almost like a punisher in a sense. I mean, she's, you know, I have read in my ledger, but I never really liked personally the casting of ScarJo as her. I didn't think I did personally, I didn't think that was the best choice, but Florence as Yelena is perfect. Uh, she's probably as y- Yelena. Don't get me wrong. Cause I mean, that's a established comic book character as well. But uh, yeah, Hawkeye's really, you know, it's, it's fun. It's so much, it, it honestly, it feels Nah, nah, not in total. Because I felt Loki felt very MCU-ish. Uh, but uh, like the episode where they're, where the, basically the episode of the chase scene in the car, you know, where they're pulling all the trick arrows and everything. That was yeah. like, that was some, that was a great episode that like, that's what we've need, been needing to see from Hawkeye in everything, in, in the whole MCU. You know, why did him, why, you know, honestly, why did they write him and Black Widow to go to Vormire to get the, the Soul Stone? Because they're the, just the human characters that don't really do too much. You know, when the Thanos, you know, they can't fight Thanos, you know, in, in the way that the big three can, like we see, you know, don't be wrong. Don't, you know, I, Hawkeye's a cool character. Black Widow, again, is one of my favorite. But I think for the movie, these guys are just like Batman, basically, except one's Batman with a bow. So we got to kind of give them something in their pay grade or their power level, so to speak. I don't know. I'm total speculating, you know, but, uh, the show definitely like we had the Pym arrow and she shot the arrow up. Spoiler oh, yeah. alert! And he hits it with the that was aw- I was like, yeah, like this is what we want to see. Like that's a comic, you know. The, that's you know that's honestly my complaint with like the how uh, how uneven the MCU is, you know, because you know the Guardians of the Galaxy movies are so so much like a comic book come to life. That's why I just love them to death. And by conversely, Winter Soldier. Uh, that was, although it was much more grounded, it still felt like a, a really good Captain America comic arc. Uh, Black Widow movie felt like a, some child wrote a Black Widow comic. <laughs> Same thing with Captain Marvel. No, why are you picking on the women-led movies? That's not the reason. I'm, I'm saying that because I fucking love those two characters, and I think they botched it in the MCU. Uh, you know, Black Panther started very gritty, uh, like like a, uh, a non MCU movie to me, but by the end it was MCU, you know, cause you had people riding on rhinos. You had this crazy stuff happening. Uh, Shang-Chi to me started like an MCU movie and then it went Dragon Ball Z. To me, it went a little just out of nowhere. This dragon stuff happens. And I just, it took mm. personally, it took me out of it, uh, towards like, okay, there's dragons now. Where were they when Thanos was evaded? I mean, you know, all this stuff that could have helped save the earth and maybe save more lives. Never happened, you know, but again, that's you know hindsight. You gotta, you gotta take that. It's it's the MCU. So uh, anyway, enough well. MCU talk. Yeah, but yeah, I hear the show yeah. is going um, really close to the comic, and uh, a lot mm-hmm. of people are liking it because of that. So a that's, lot, a well, lot of the comic readers already knew who the big bad was. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't read that series that it's referencing. Because that that like you know how. One thing I love about all the MCU shows is the credits, the end credits. Mm-hmm. They're so thematic, and like whoever does the credits for them is is fantastic. Yeah. But the art style on the Hawkeye credits, that's the art. It's very similar to the the covers from the that run that they're doing, which I didn't read that run, uh, at the time, because it's it's. I'm not sure. Again, I don't know how close it is. I can't speak for that, but I've heard that it's really really close. And one of the writers of the show, uh, I forget his name, M- Matt Fraction, maybe. He's either the artist or the writer, but he's 
like working with it. Let's see, writing credits, Matt, say something like that. Maybe I'm wrong. I thought it said he's producing it or something, or maybe I'm thinking of the artist. Hmm. I don't know. I'm talking on my ass right now. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I know like the creative team of that run was involved in it somewhere because his name's on the credit. Maybe it was just like comic by Matt Fraction or something. Anyway, I'll have to, I'll have to get back with you all next week because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know I've sat again. I don't, I don't, I don't know all the behind the scenes stuff because I don't go research when, when it's a, when it's a, you know, a movie that I want to see, I don't look or like a show that hasn't ended yet. Cause I only be, you know, that they'll say it has all these shows, you know, Oh, you can see, Oh, you know, Oh, Hawkeye, it's on episode five. They got four episodes left. Oh shit. No, the next episode is the last one. That is kind of a spoiler. Cause now, you know, it's either going to be an action packed episode or it's going to be a cliffhanger. I don't know. Mm. So yeah. Anyway, blah, blah, blah. We will talk to you again after Christmas, this episode will be dropping because Christmas Eve is Friday. Yep, on Christmas Eve. So I'm sorry to bring you down on Christmas Eve by talking <laughs> about a shit movie. But don't worry because your New Year's Eve listening on your way to your New Year's Eve party or logging into your Zoom New Year's Eve party, however you're doing it this year, will be a fantastic film called Trading Places with the legendary Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd. Uh, and just uh, and Jamie Lee Curtis, ha- absolutely like that. Like this movie works because of all three of them, and of course the bad guys, Don Amici and uh, uh, I forget the actor, the other old guy. You'll find out. But anyway, week. exactly cliffhanger. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Who is the other old guy? But as always, as Jesse always reminds me in the middle of the podcast, and I don't remember till I see it on my notes at the end of the podcast. You can email us eightiesrevisited at gmail on Facebook. 80s Revisited podcast on the gram as the little kid, uh, the, as a younger kid say, I shouldn't say little kids, I'll offend them. 80S underscore revisited. And don't forget to check out our good friends, both near, well, everybody's kind of far away from me now, but uh, John, uh, John with his Cajun toy review on YouTube. And of course the Bamcast with Ben Wyatt and also TCW with, you know, I, I, my vision is honestly like my eye still my right eye still twitches a little when I say the word Doomslayer, mm. but you know what he 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 keeps losing. But you know what that son of a bitch gets up and he keeps trying. And you know what, despite our beef, I gotta respect that. So TCW Tasmanian Championship Wrestling, go check him out on the web uh, and give Doomslayer your support on YouTube and everywhere else because you know uh, I'll be I'll be the bigger man, mm-hmm. Doomslayer. I can admit when I'm slightly incorrect. <laughs> Good on you, bro. Keep it going. So anyway, everybody, next week, trading places for the 50th time. And we can forget these two bad movies we've ever done. They will never be mentioned again, except to compare other bad <laughs> movies to what is the worst movie we've ever done on the podcast. Cause garbage pail you know, still I, comes up a bit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, cause that one was on, <sighs> I'm like on a rewatch. If I like again, gun to your head, you have to watch one of the movies on the podcast that you hated right now. Which one would you pick? I'd probably pick Garbage Pail Kids, probably because it's been so long since I've seen it. It was still terrible. Uh, you know, having like if I had to watch Santa Claus the movie twice in a row, I would literally probably blow my fucking brains out. If I like, so, you know, like like you have to tie me down like in a Clockwork Orange at the end, you know, with the the metal things on my eyes and like force me to watch it. <sighs> Because I will like legit, I will never ever watch it again. I watch Xanadu again, like you know, I mean, not not for you know anything except like you know maybe we do this podcast so long, and in ten years we do a month of revisiting revisits, and we revisit the movies we hated, not Santa Claus a movie, never, 
uh, Elon, bro, Elon, going to take money to get that done. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, but, you know, Xanadu, at least it had you know, some music and it had Olivia Newton-John the whole time looking gorgeous. Garbage Pail Kids, you know, it was absolutely terrible, but it's been years since I've seen it. So, you know, I've kind of blacked it out, blocked it out. But, you know, Beijing Toyland, you know, at least you got Keanu, you know, smiling and like, oh, man, Keanu, you know, like you go on to such bigger, better things, you know, than this shit movie. And you got Pat Morita, you know, in a little role, but Santa Claus movie. No, don't don't. If you if you watched it for this movie, in case I didn't explicitly say it earlier, I apologize for picking this movie and you watching it. OK, like legit. Don't if you're mad, just cool off. Come back next week. Everything will be right as rain because it's trading places. So until then, everybody, hopefully we're still friends. I remain your host and spiritual warrior for watching this movie. Trey Harris. Jesse Sedgley. Cowabunga! On Facebook.com slash AwesomePods. And follow us on Twitter at AwesomePods. Pods.